0: to open your Bibles, as we like to do. The book of Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, or the last book in the Bible. Uh, And uh, chapter 11, Revelation chapter 11, bit of a Bible study tonight. Um, Just a couple of verses here in verse 17, uh, sorry, verse 15 to 17, I was going to say. And we read here, And the seventh angel sounded, chapter 11, verse 15, Uh, And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And uh, the four and the twenty elders which sat before God on on their seats fell on their faces, and they worshipped God, saying, We give to thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. Now this is a a prophetic message uh, and it relates of course to to the fact that the time's coming uh, in the world when uh, Jesus Christ is going to come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that's what we'll be talking about tonight. We're talking about the coming King. And of course uh, we see here the, the vial being poured out, it's all symbolic of the end times, the last of the seven vials in the book of Revelation, the last one to be poured out, heralds in the second coming of Christ. And so it's telling us here that when this takes place, that God is in control, completely in control of everything. And his son, Jesus Christ, uh, with him. At the moment, the Bible tells us that Jesus, uh, when he went to heaven, after he rose from the dead, uh, he's on the right hand of God the Father, uh, on the throne and uh, they're ruling in heaven but one day there's literally going to be a kingdom on earth when Jesus Christ returns and that's when the kingdoms of this world are to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ when he takes up the throne on earth at his second coming the Bible says there'll be a kingdom that is forever and ever as we read here it's interesting that this very scripture is uh, on the altar in Westminster Abbey in uh, London, the kings in this world have become the kings of our Lord and of his Christ. And that's why the uh, when this took place in this uh, uh, vision that John received that the elders representing the 12 tribes of Israel uh, or the Old Testament prophets and also representing the saints of the New Testament, the disciples, uh, they fell down before God and worshipped him because He's worthy to be worshipped because uh, the word of God is just uh, so absolutely true. So the, here is the seventh trumpet blowing. The seventh vial has been poured out upon the earth and is proclaiming the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we haven't got time to, to look at everything tonight, but we'll, we'll look and see what we can work through. It's going to be a terrible time upon the earth, and if we look in Psalm 110 in the Old Testament... And we're going to read from just uh, because of time from verse uh, uh, verse 5. We'll start reading in verse 5 here. And it says, And the Lord at thy right hand. This is the psalm of King David. And uh, David, of course, uh, is the greatest king the Bible talks about in the Bible. He was the, the one to whom God made very many promises uh, because he believed God. And uh, he was called a friend of God and uh, even had a vision, if you look quickly in verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand and I'm, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And the vision that he had was, even though he was looking to God, he knew that he had another Lord, one that was supreme in authority in his life, even though he didn't even exist at this time. And in the vision, he saw Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and God himself. He, I saw my Lord on the right hand, where Jesus is, on the right hand of the throne. But the time comes when the, the world is going to, of course, uh, uh, be reeling and shaking like a drunken man, the Bible tells us, and it says in verse 5, And the Lord at thy right hand, this is Jesus Christ, on the right hand of God, it says, Shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath, or in the days of his judgment of the earth at that time. And he shall uh, judge among the heathen, and he shall fill all the places with dead bodies, and uh, he shall wound the heads over many countries. And so it's talking about this massive destruction that the Bible talks about in Jeremiah and Isaiah and many of the prophets, that time will come when there will be that many that will die on that day. They won't be buried nor lamented. They'll be like uh, dung, as it uses the term in the New Testament, in the uh, King James, upon the earth. And is what the Lord says, when the Lord strikes the kings of the earth, when the world has got to the point that it's fighting each other and we're seeing it happening very much in the world today and nobody trusts anybody, uh, the nations are lining up and of course uh, without uh, going into the aspects of scripture, it really is a time in which Israel, which is the key to it all, one day is going to be attacked as they want to wipe Israel off the very face of the earth and it says very clearly in the scriptures then will God's fury come up in his face and there will be a great shaking in the land of Israel and it says also in in the book of uh, um, of Psalms and we haven't got time to look at it all how that the, the people will offer themselves in the day of your power that people will Look to God and respect God like never before As we find the problem in the world today uh, Because of the fact that uh, there's so much corruption That is going on in this particular time And it reminds me a bit of the fact that in the book of Matthew In chapter 4 that uh, when Satan had Got to Jesus in a sense in that After 40 days in the wilderness uh, When he hungered, he fasted for 40 days and forty nights and the devil of course wanted an opportunity to put him down and uh, he said many things to him and jesus of course being the word of god himself he rebuked him and says it is written and he quoted the word of god to the devil to put him back in his place but the last thing he did is he tried to say to him i can give you the kingdoms of this world and uh, he took him up into the high mountain there we read and then in the moment of time he revealed all the kingdoms of the world and uh, the glory of the kingdoms of the world, and he says, I'll give them to you, if you just bow down and worship me. And of course, uh, the Lord said, get lost. He didn't say that, but that's what he meant. He turned around and he said to him, thou shalt worship the Lord, and him only shall thou serve. So he was very quick to put everything back into the proper perspective at all. And Satan, of course, left him from that moment, because he knew he couldn't get through uh, to him, but here he was even trying to take the role that God had promised that he would have to give his son the kingdoms of this world. If we have a look uh, uh, in chapter 1 of the book of Luke, from the New Testament, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, and we see the story of how that in the beginning Christ is promised. And as we know that it's uh, talking about the uh, how that Jesus was to be born of a virgin, and we'll see that in the scriptures a little bit later. Um, But we read here in verse 26, and it says, And in the sixth month the angel uh, angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city uh, of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused unto a man uh, whose name was Joseph. Uh, An interesting little point here, of course, is that in those days they had an engagement, and that was the betrothal but they actually treated their engagement before they were married like we would treat a marriage today. Because uh, if uh, anyone tried to break the engagement, it was a legal document and they had to divorce the person. And so it was a very special time when a man and a woman were espoused one to the other. And so here was Joseph espoused unto Mary. And we read, and the angel came unto her in verse 28, And said, Hail, thou art highly favoured. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, saw the angel. This is Mary. She was troubled at his saying, and she cast a mind what manner of salutation or greeting this uh, should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and thou shalt bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, which we know means to be the word saviour, Joshua in the Hebrew means saviour, same word, and it says, and he shall be great and called the son of the highest, the son of God, and the Lord God shall give unto him, and this is the point we're leading to, the throne of his father David, his forefather King David of Israel. One day Jesus is going to take up literally the throne of David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob or Israel forever, and when he rules, it says of his kingdom, there shall be no end. The uh, kingdom is going to be an eternal kingdom. And uh, we could have gone on there to see how that she was very perplexed because she said, I know not a man, and how can this be? And, and uh, you know, the Holy Spirit was to overshadow her and she was with child. And so, as was prophesied, Jesus was born. But here before he's even born, it's telling us how that Jesus one day will take up the throne. Now Jesus did not take up the throne 2,000 years ago. He was born and fulfilled many aspects of Bible prophecy but he didn't take up this throne of David which one day he will take and when he takes it, it's an enduring throne forever. So let's have a look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 29 and this is the time when Peter on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was first poured out and as we know uh, that the people gathered around the 120 in the upper chamber and they were all speaking in another tongue, the wonderful works of God, as the Spirit of God gave the utterance to these people as a gift from God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They all spoke in tongues. And uh, we find that, uh, you know, then the people gathered in their thousands, literally. We know that because 3,000 were souls were saved that day and added to the church. But we find that uh, Peter had to stand up now Peter, of course, denied the Lord three times. We read in the Gospels of Luke, and Matthew, that uh, he denied him, and of course uh, now he's a different man. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he stands up and he declares that this is what the prophet Joel was speaking about, how in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and so on. He talked about uh, prophecies and so on that will be fulfilled. But here he's continuing in this uh, same chapter on the day of Pentecost and he says, Men and brethren, in verse 29, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, this is the great King David, 3,000 years ago he existed, that he is both dead and he is buried, and his sepulchre or his grave is with us unto this day, and that therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him That the fruit of his loins, or his offspring it means, according to the flesh, in other words he has to follow the lineage of King David, that the fruit of his loins according to the flesh would raise up Christ, ultimately to sit upon the throne. And he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul would not to be left in hell or the grave, and neither was his flesh to see corruption, it was not to to go back to nothing. And uh, this Jesus has God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. And therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he shed forth this which you now see and hear. This is when they heard him speak in tongues and saw what was happening. He says for David, again he brings the point here, even though he was the great king and he died, as it says earlier in the scriptures we just read, he hasn't ascended into heaven, but saith to himself, and we read the scripture from Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, he knew someone was going to one day be his Lord as he spoke to God in his prayer, sit thou on my right hand. And so David acknowledged there was one coming after him that was going to be great. And of course we look at the throne of David and we don't know how much time we'll get tonight but it's been preserved through absolutely incredible odds in history. Many have tried to destroy it. Uh, We uh, in our revival fellowship uh, look to the fact that there's a throne that Jesus is to take up. The only throne in this world today uh, that ties in with all the Bible prophecy is the uh, throne in Britain. We're not saying it's they're good people. We're talking about the throne that's being held. And uh, Queen Victoria actually had a lineage search of her family tree and uh, it's no doubt about that her history goes straight back to King David of Israel. All these things have been substantiated. But God kept his hand uh, through the separation of the kings of the uh, house of the north or the house of Israel when Israel is a nation of twelve divided into two. Then the, there was another kingdom down in the south called the House of Judah, which is the real royal household. And that was uh, ruled over at that time by the son of Solomon called Rehoboam. And uh, so the two went concurrently. And all these things have happened through history. The last king of uh, Judah uh, was Zedekiah, and he was eventually died in jail in Babylon. And, uh, and yet God kept his promises. Uh, through the descendancy because the daughters of Zedekiah carried the royal bloodlines. And it's about to carry a lot of things through in the history. And we see too in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 49 where it records as uh, Israel is talking to his sons and he talks about them one by one and he says, I want to tell you what will befall you in the last days. So he talked about various aspects of what he prophesied about what was going to happen to each of the tribes in the last days. When it comes to the house of Judah, from which the Bible prophesies that there will be a royal kingdom, uh, and of course Jesus, uh, um, sorry, uh, David was the king of Judah, as well as the king of Israel on both sides. He'd actually said of Judah in particular, because he was from that tribe, that the, if you want reference, it's in Genesis 49, the royal scepter shall not depart from the tribe of Judah, nor a lawgiver ben beneath his feet, until Shiloh come. And under him shall the gathering of the people be. Then in the ultimate end, it's going to be from the tribe of Judah, it's going to be one that will dispense the law of God, and to be one that's called Shiloh. Now Shiloh is a term that means, from the Hebrew, a prince of peace. And of course the prince of peace again is Jesus Christ. So right back there in chapter 49, there was no kings in Israel, but God had prophesied that from the tribe of Judah would come the the right royal line and that ultimately one that would come to take up the throne whose right it is. As we just read of, prophesied of Jesus Christ that he would. And, of course, uh, if we look at the, as we said, the lineage, we find even Queen Elizabeth falling down from Victoria as a descendant of King David of Israel. And, of course, this genealogy is vitally important to the story. And uh, many biblical references uh refer to this royal descent and uh, the undisputed right for the throne to be in existence when Jesus comes. And there are some prophecies about what would happen, so I thought we'd have a quick look at these. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7. We're going right back uh, hundreds of years before Christ. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, and uh, in verse uh, 13. And here the prophet is writing and says, And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but you will weary my God also. And therefore... The Lord himself shall give you a sign, talking to the house of David. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear his uh, a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And that's the name that the angel told Mary. Emmanuel will be the name of the one that will be born of her. And of course the word Emmanuel means um, um, to be of God. And so we see again this wonderful tie-up in the Old Testament how that uh, the term a virgin will conceive a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And then if we have a look, we haven't got time to look at them all, in chapter 9 just over the next uh, book and verse 6 and the prophet's writing here and he says, for unto us, talking of Israel A child is born and a son is given Given, and the government, it's talking about the dominion when he comes to rule, the government of this world will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father Shiloh, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. But upon the throne of David and upon uh, the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it And to establish it with judgment and with justice From henceforth even forever And the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this So it tells us that when in this prophecy hundreds of years before Christ That when the ultimate Shiloh comes to rule upon the earth Of that kingdom there shall be no end and there will be judgment, equity, And the Lord will rule and have the government upon his shoulders at that particular time. So therefore we see that Jesus was born exactly as was described in the scriptures of a woman, the virgin. And as we just read forth, he was to be a son. That means God with us. Have a look in chapter 11 and uh, we start reading in verse 1. And it says, And there shall come forth a rod. It actually means a rod, a receptor, a rod of authority, a rule, shall out of the stem or out of the stock or the branch of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And of this one that is to come, that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, And might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord The seven spirits of God we read of in the book of Revelation And it it shall make him of quick understanding In the fear of the Lord And he shall not judge after the sight of the eyes And neither reprove after the hearing of his ears In other words he doesn't need to have the natural things To be able to know what is right and what is wrong But with righteousness it tells us in verse 4 he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek or the humble of the earth. He shall not smite the earth with the rod of, or the authority of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And these are, are wonderful prophecies and it goes on talking about, uh, you know, how that the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the little kid, a little goat and, and so on. This is talking about the kingdom that is still to come. And it says in verse ten, it says in that day there shall be a, a root of Jesse, there shall be an ensign for the, of the people, and and to it shall the Gentile nations shall rest, uh, and his rest shall be glorious. And of course, it's talking about in in the last days that not only Israel but the Gentile nations are all going to have available the wonderful salvation, and how that this root or stem of Jesse. The word root means the branch uh, of, of Jesse, as it says here, will be an ensign, and uh, and that's Jehovah uh, Nissi, the Lord our ensign, which is another term that relates to Jesus Christ if we want to look into the scriptures. So wonderful prophecies that are fulfilled there. And uh, if we just go on a little bit further, because we're not getting very far, I'm only about halfway through my talk. (laughs) Um, Let's have a look in in the book of Micah. Micah, towards the latter part in the Minor Prophets at the back of the Old Testament, just after the book of Jonah, Nobadiah, it's the book of Micah, and just before Nahum. This one scripture I want to refer to here, for a couple of verses. Uh, and that's uh, in Micah chapter 5 and in verse 2. Another wonderful prophecy of the birth of Christ. It says here, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though they be little among the thousands or the many towns and cities of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old or, or spoken of from the beginning and they're going to last forever. And so the ruler of Israel is to come from Bethlehem Ephrathah. And of course uh, Bethlehem was the little town where Jesus was born and Bethlehem means the house of bread. And of course Jesus Christ is the bread of life in the symbolic meaning as well in the scriptures. And Ephrathah means truthfulness. So from the the uh, uh, house of bread, the fruitfulness is going to come and take place upon the earth. His goings forth shall be from old, prophesied in the beginning, and will go forever, for everlasting. Wonderful promises uh, that are there in the scriptures. I was going to have a look at the the lineages that are in the New Testament. There's two lineages in the in the New Testament. One is in the in the book of Matthew. And that lineage is not the lineage of Jesus Christ through Mary. That lineage is is the lineage of Joseph, who was supposed to be the father of Jesus and is not. So Matthew is not the lineage of Christ. But the, the reference in the book of Luke, in Luke 3, is the lineage of Mary, the mother of Jesus, that goes straight back to King David. There's other aspects we could talk about In uh, in the reference to The line of Joseph, it's a cursed line And no rule, man of that throne Will ever rule in Israel uh, Through one particular bad king But on the other side Through Mary, Jesus Christ Was to be born And of course David was a man That God loved In fact the word David means to love And so he was this man that was born He was a king of God's choosing We haven't uh, had time to look at it all unfortunately tonight he was from the stem or the root of Jesse from the tribe of uh, um, of Judah he was born in Bethlehem he came to this world Jesus Christ to bring peace as David was to bring peace he came Jesus to be sacrificed and being a sacrifice for us there was no outward show or comeliness about Jesus Christ that or no form that we would desire him, we read in Isaiah. And like we could have read about what God did when he looked upon David, he looked for a man at his heart and not at his outward appearance. The older brother, Elihib, of the, of the house of, the, of this man, Jesse, who was the poor father of David, and um, he was a big strong man. But God says, I reject him. He rejected seven of the sons and they, and then of course he said isn't there any more And and Samuel was told, told yes there's one more He's out there only a shepherd boy He says bring him here And God says this is the one And so amazing parallels between David and Jesus Christ The great shepherd of the sheep And of course he offered bread and wine Which is of course the sacrifice of the communion services there in the scriptures And the lamb was offered He was the Lamb of God to take away the the sin of the world. We could have looked in Psalms and seen how that God made many promises to David that there would always be a descendant upon the throne until Shiloh comes. David would never want in the whole of history until Christ comes that one would not be on his throne. There would always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne Right up until the time, and in fact, he lists seven witnesses that while well, you got day and night and the sun and the moon and the stars, you know I'm keeping my promises. I will never break my promises while these things are in existence. And unfortunately, we couldn't look at it, but uh, there it is. God is uh, really able to bring things to pass. Let's have a look in Matthew. Just a couple of things to finish. As I say, we could look at a lot more things. Matthew chapter 27. And verse twenty-five, when they took Jesus and they're going to crucify him, they gave him a coronation, a mock coronation. That's what the Romans did. We read about it here in verse twenty-five of uh, Matthew chapter twenty-seven. We get the right chapter, and uh, we read here, and they all answered, and they answered all the people, saying, "His blood be upon us." This is what the Jews said to uh, to Pontius Pilate. And, uh, and, you know, when he said, I'm free from the blood of this innocent and just person in the previous verse, he said, the Jews said, well, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And they cursed themselves from that day forward and are still suffering because of it. And then they released Barabbas, a murderer, one that was uh, charged with insurrection. He was released and Jesus, who was innocent, was crucified. In verse 27, this is the Mock coronation. And then the soldiers uh, of the governor took Jesus into the common hall, and they gave it unto him, uh, the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, and they put upon him a scarlet robe, a robe of so called royalty. And when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and then they put a reed in his hand, like a king, and they bowed their knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And he just said, thou sayest. I'm not arguing with you. That's all the words Jesus said. Thou sayest. In verse 30, and they spat upon him, and they took the reed, and they smote him upon the head with the reed, which is like a rod. And after all they mocked him, they took the robe off from, off him, and they put his own Roman on again, his clothing again, and they led him away to crucify him. And Simon had to carry it. And uh, there we read in uh, um, in verse, uh, well, we'll just read through it. I think it's good reading in this regard. Uh, In verse 32, and they came out and they found a man uh, of Cyrene, uh, Simon, by name, and they compelled him to bear his cross. He had to carry the cross of Christ because of the beating he had was so severe uh, and uh, more than any man should take. He could not carry it because he is still a man at this stage. And when they were gone into the place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingle with gall, and when he had tasted thereof he would not drink. And they crucified him and they parted his garments, uh, casting lots that it might be fulfilled by the prophets Uh, by the prophet they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. They just sat and looked at this mock king. And they said above him, his accusation written, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. And there were crucified, no, two crucified, or these crucified with him. One on the right hand, another on the left. And uh, they were... uh, That were passing by reviled him Reviled Christ and they wagged their heads To say oh no And saying thou hast destroyed That destroyed the temple um, And buildest it in three days Which he prophesied and he did do that Save thyself If you're so good you're making these vile, Real vile claims That the temple that took 46 years To build you Going to make another one in three days What a lot of rubbish sort of thing But he did he is speaking of his body. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross, they said. And likewise the chief priests mocked him and with the scribes and the elders, and they said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if we will have him, for he saith, I am the Son of God, and the thieves also that were with him, Cast the same in his teeth Talk about the the thief on the cross Being saved Ever heard that It says here they cursed him On the cross Even the one that's supposed to be saved That's a a lot of rubbish You know It's terrible to think And of course We could go on talking about this But unfortunately um, We better just finish And I just want to finish in Revelation 19 Back to the book of Revelation Chapter 19 and verse nine, we could have read the earlier part where, of course, uh, that Jesus is to come, the marriage of the Lamb of God, Jesus, to the bride, which is the Church. The bride makes herself ready. But then after that, we see another aspect of the prophecy. We read in verse ten, and I fell at his feet to worship him. This is John writing. He said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, <coughs> that have the testimony of Jesus, that worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw the heaven opened, and, and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. Do you think? His eyes were the flame of fire, and he, upon his head were many crowns. <coughs> and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And uh, the armies which were in heaven followed him upon their white horses, <coughs> he clothed in fine linen, clean and white. And out of his mouth, and this is what was prophesied back in the Old Testament, The word of God, Jesus Christ, goeth a sharp sword, and with it he shall smite the nations, he will rule them with the rod of iron, and uh, he, he treadeth down the winepress with the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name that is written, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is ultimately what is going to happen as Jesus comes back and heralds in the new kingdom. For those that are righteous, those that have been born again, those that meet him in the air, those that are part of what's called the first resurrection, there's a lot more that is there in the scriptures to identify this. But the substance, or the essence, of the truth we read there back in verse 10, is revealed by Jesus, because Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy. He fulfills every aspect of what God said was and has and will happen. And all the people say